Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, Tuesday here on Sharp Money, hour three. That means Adam Burke, VSIN managing editor. Of course, the daily baseball pod as well. You can check out Mr. Burke on Tuesday's episode of VSIN College Football. That's the podcast with our buddy Tim Murray as we welcome you back. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher, the aforementioned Adam Burke. What's cracking, Burkey? How you feeling? Hey, what's going on, boys? I'm I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, I'm getting used to this Bar Canada thing now. I used to have like a five minute drive to South Point, and I got to come all the way downtown. But it's not bad. It's not bad to see Fremont on a Tuesday. <laughs> there is there is a vast difference. Uh, quickly on baseball, I want to give the guys that are flanking you some credit here because, big guy, you let me know. Looks like you and Amal are going to cash your futures ticket on Blake Snell, who had another quality start last night. Yeah, to uh, steal a phrase from one Billy Packer, this thing is over. Blake Snell wrapped up the NL Cy Young last night. He is the ERA leader in baseball. He has over 200 strikeouts, I believe 223 in 180 innings. And he defied the odds, really. And it's not just the 40-to-1 odds Amal and I got on him. It's the odds that every time I turned on a Padres game since I placed the bet, he had two runners on and two outs, and he was battling through and somehow ending the game unscathed. Uh, one positive, one negative real quick, Patrick. First of all, I love the fact that Padres will never, ever let this guy go more than six innings, so he can't screw it up for us, right? He walks about eight guys during that stretch, somehow gets runners stranded on third every inning. But more importantly, though, it's not as much of a slam dunk as Dustin think it, thinks it is. Anybody who's out there with the Rona, I don't think people are voting for him as quickly as Dustin thinks they are. I'm just telling you right now, he is not the slam dunk we may think he is. Adam, would you like to chime in? Anything else baseball-wise before we move on to an hour of football here, Adam? No, I mean, it's Blake Snell's award, obviously. I mean, it was Blake Snell's award when he shut down Houston. I mean, that was the game that he kind of had to get through the Astros. One of the best teams in baseball against lefties in the second half, and he completely shut them down, and, and that was where the award pretty much ended. No, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I mean, you know, I, I think that there are some really interesting games here throughout the remainder of the regular season. I guess one thing that I could throw out there is if you're dabbling in the player prop markets, and I wrote about this this morning in the article, look for dudes that are sitting like one or two short of a round number. Guys that are at 28, 29 home runs. Guys that are at 39 home runs, something like that. Maybe batting 289 or 298, 299, something like that. 
those are guys that are very invested this week in getting to those nice round numbers. So if you're looking at the player prop markets, that may be an angle you want to look at here the rest of the week. Jordan Alvarez, love it. 96 RBI. Yep, love it. Absolutely. Okay, so you we were all joking about uh, how beautiful South Bend in September is. Let's let's dive into some of these matchups from last week before we jump into a new week of college football. I, uh, to be honest, the aesthetic was great on television. I'm, I'm joking about South Bend, but Ohio State is 17-14 winner over Notre Dame. Berkey, I'll start with you. Let's talk about what we take away from it. Outside of the fact that, and I think even Amal would agree, Ryan Day came across as an emotional maniac after that game finished up. It was it was a wild game. It wasn't exactly explosive offensively, but a lot of fun that game. What did you take away from that matchup with both teams? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing I took away is Ryan Day is the worst short yardage play caller in college football. Uh, the jet sweep. One, I, I cannot repeat what I tweeted, but I was very unhappy with that play call, to say the least. And, of course, getting stopped on the goal line where, you know, any kind of better play helps them out in that situation. Uh, I mean, you know what? Survive in advance. They won, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of all that matters here. They take care of business against Penn State at home, and then that may be a game against Michigan that doesn't really matter in terms of the college football playoff, depending on how the Pac-12 shakes out. So, you know, I mean, they won. That's that's kind of all I, I take away from it. I mean, you know, I thought Notre Dame made several mistakes late in that game as well that make me question Marcus Freeman in close marquee games going forward. But, I mean, look, they won. And then, to me, that was kind of all that mattered. I, Patrick, I agree with uh, Berkey completely here. When you look at it, I go back to last year in the college football playoff. Fourth down and one at your own 34-yard line, 10-point lead, about eight minutes to go in Georgia. You get a first down. You just line up, man up, and go get a first down, especially especially behind Paris Johnson, who was a first-round pick, and Donovan Jackson on the left guard position. That's what wins you the national title if you're Ohio State. It's not the fact that Marvin Harrison got injured. And Burke is right. When you look at the play calling in the short-yarded situation, I thought at least down the stretch in the final two plays they executed properly. With seven, eight, nine seconds remaining, you had to throw the ball in first down, and then second down, you come back with the run, wood chip train him. But, man, some of the play calling is horrific in short yardage. I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why he was so apoplectic after the game is because he really is a finesse coach. He does not want to admit this team lacks toughness. If you are a tough football team, you tell the other team we're running the ball on third and one and fourth and one go ahead and try and stop us and he doesn't do that enough the opposite of that would be freeman who kind of presents that new age stoic vibe where he melted down as a coach like that you're never going to have a better opportunity notre dame at home hosting ohio state berkey to beat this team and you've got what 10 guys on the last two plays of the game what are we like that is egregious yeah, egregious is a good word for it. I, look, I mean, honestly, though, the game never should have gotten to that point because Notre Dame had that final possession, and they got way too cute. I mean, they should have been able to force Ohio State to use all their timeouts, yep. use a little bit more of the clock. Honestly, that was a, a thing where, you know, Parker, the offensive coordinator, he had a couple of major missteps on that final series of offensive plays to where it never should have gotten to that point for Ohio State where they had a chance to win the game. I mean, their chances to win the game should have been a lot earlier than that. They shouldn't have had another opportunity. Notre Dame gave them one. Credit to the Buckeyes. They took advantage, but it, you know, to, to Amal's point, we're both Ohio State guys. That game did not ease any of my Ryan Day concerns. In the game against Michigan later this year, if they make the college football playoff, I still have major worries about that dude in a big game. 
I, I think he can call a pretty good game because when he's given time, his teams are well prepared. You look at the performance, even against Clemson, they had a great plan of attack the first time around, missed some opportunities on field goals when they should have scored touchdowns. The second time they put up, I think, what, 49 points in the next meeting. I think he's fine in that sense. The problem is when the game gets tighter, he's very conservative. Patrick, they've had the best offense in college football. The one thing that's going underappreciated by Notre Dame is they halted a streak of Ohio State of around 75, close to 80 straight games, the longest streak in college football history of scoring 20 20 points or more in a game, and Notre Dame halted that. I, I think Notre Dame's a good football team. I think the Buckeyes, though, this year will rely on a defense. I, I said it before the season, they have an elite defense. Yep. Push on the three. It was a great game like, for no rooting interest. Yeah. I've got to be honest, like just aesthetically late into the night, it was a great game to watch. I enjoyed it, which brings us to, Berkey, you wrote about this over at vcin.com, situational spots. How about Notre Dame? Those kids played primetime late into the night at home. And now they've got to turn around and travel to Duke. This is, I'm assuming this is the spot you're discussing in your article. Let's talk about it. Notre Dame's laying five and a half at Duke coming up Saturday. Yeah, and I want to preface this by saying that situational spots are never sole justifications for making a bet. They are simply part sure. of the handicap, something that you want to consider, something that you want to think about. It's something where you kind of want to put the coaches into a vacuum and kind of evaluate them. Duke was in a horrific situational spot last week against UConn, laying over three touchdowns on the road in advance of this Notre Dame game, and they went up there and blew out the Huskies. So... It can happen. If you've got a good coach, you can overcome some of these spots. And frankly, the market doesn't seem concerned about this spot between Notre Dame and Duke either because this line's gone up a little bit throughout the course of the week with the Fighting Irish, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I personally have it six-and-a-half. We don't really know what Duke is at this point in time. They had a nice win over Clemson, but Clemson had a bunch of ill-advised turnovers in that game where that game could have gone very, very differently. But this is a brutal, miserable spot for Notre Dame. And I talked about it on the College Football Podcast with Tim Murray. Everyone knows this. I am a Cleveland fan. I have seen it all. I am deeply and irreparably scarred for the rest of my life based on how Cleveland teams have lost games. That loss for Notre Dame was up there with the most painful I have ever seen. So it is a difficult spot for this team. We are still talking about college kids trying to overcome this. We'll see what kind of coaching chops Freeman has, I think, here with how they play, specifically in the first quarter and the first half of this game. Patrick, Mike, I mean, Adam makes a great point in terms of when you look at this Duke matchup against Clemson, it was just absolute self-implosion by Clemson. It really yep. wasn't things that Duke had done. I don't want to take anything away from their success and what they've achieved so far. Uh, Sam Hartman, being such an experienced player, I think will bode well for this team. Audrick Estime is a tremendous running back. I still like Notre Dame a lot. They're going to be a 10-win football team. I know this is a game that they probably could have and should have won, but I would argue the Buckeyes only scored three points on three red zone opportunities. So let's not sit there and act like Notre Dame's a national champion. But, man, in the ACC, who they generally play their non-conference, I mean, their games against a lot of them, they are upper tier right there with Florida State and Miami for my money right now. Yeah, it's a good point. Clemson's red zone offense against Duke was uh, gosh awful. So I, I would agree with you there. Speaking of Clemson, uh, Burke, we'll start with you. I, what do we take from the Florida State 31-24 winner there in Clemson, South Carolina? I, I took those two teams. I left that game, and I was just like, yeah, they're good. They're not great. What was your take? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's an elite team in college football overall this season, but that's a discussion for another segment here. As far as this game goes, I mean, Clemson should have beaten Florida State. They were the better team throughout. They had, I mean, no field goal in college is a chip shot based on what we see from college kickers every weekend, but they had a very makeable kick 
They were in a position to take the lead in that game. Who knows if they would have kept it? Who knows if they would have, you know, not gone to overtime or something like that? But I will say that, you know, I thought Clemson was a better team in that game. Now they go up to whatever they're calling the Carrier Dome these days, and that's been a tough place for them to play. It's been a tough venue for them. It's been a tough opponent for them against Syracuse. So I think this is a really interesting spot for Clemson, particularly because the standard at that program is to go to the college football playoff. You will not do that this season. You already have two losses. It's simply not going to happen. Are these kids able to rally and maybe focus on winning the ACC or you know, at least getting the best bowl game that they can, something like that? A couple of points real quickly. Syracuse has generally played Clemson pretty tough. Last year was 27-21. We've seen, remember when they had that huge upset with Dino Babers up in Syracuse against Clemson? They've done very, very well. And Burke made a great point. Florida State was the inferior team on Saturday. However, two takeaways for me in that game. Davo Sweeney's team does not know how to execute offensive plays in short yardage situations. You got two absolute dudes at running back. And Mike Norwell, when Mike Norvell, when the chips are down, I don't want him coaching my team. Fourth and ten. Hey guys, let's just go for the 40-yard bomb. Forget getting a field goal to win in this game. For some reason I remember, was it Kelly Bryant quarterbacking yes. Clemson? Yep, yep. That that was that was a huge upset. Good call by both of you. More with Adam Burke next here, Sharp Money. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. A quick trivia question. Did we talk about college football during the break or William Henry Harrison? If you had Henry Harrison, you're right. <laughs> hey, big guy, you want to jump in here when talking about picks at a glance? I- I've got to give our partner credit here because vsin.com slash subscribe, you can sign up for as low as $19. And you take a look at the leaderboard right now. The handsome one, the big guy, right at the top. Good job, big guy. It's been a run. I got an email from Bill AD this morning congratulating me for being atop the mountaintop for one week of this season. Uh, number one, 18, 10, and three last seven days. That's plus 658.79 on $100 bets. 64.3% plus 21.3% ROI. And I uh, may never come down off this high because I'm not placing another bet. I'm going to retire on top. Just kidding. More bets are coming. 
And you can check out those bets at vcin.com slash subscribe when you sign up right now. Having an interesting Adam Burke, of course, vcin managing editor. He does everything here at vcin, and we're thrilled when he joins us on Tuesdays. I'm all Shaw. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money. And so we were having the conversation. You two are Ohio guys, and Berkey's essentially saying, look, if Ryan Day, after that meltdown, if Ryan Day gets beat by Harbaugh this year, let's move on. And Amal, you immediately snap. There's no way they're moving on from Day. I don't know if there was some facetiousness behind that, Burke, but you're down on Day right now. I, I just look, I mean, you know, when you're Ohio State, you're judged by what you do against Michigan and you're judged by what you do in the college football playoff. And that's it. You're judged by what you do in the marquee games. And, you know, I mean, if they lose that game to Notre Dame and they wind up losing a third straight game to Michigan where I think Ohio State's more talented than both of those teams, I think you really have to take a good, long, hard look at Ryan Day. If nothing else, stop letting him call plays. Like, I thought that Brian Hartline being named the offensive coordinator would mean that Brian Hartline would be calling more of the plays. That has not been the case at all. And if this guy isn't self-aware enough to realize he doesn't call a great game in marquee games, then maybe you have to just take that decision away from him. Patrick, real quick, a couple things. The Ohio State fan base is the most delusional fan base in all of sports. I'm going to tell you right now, having gone to school there, it is unbelievable. You would think the entire fan base is high on fentanyl. It's so stupid when it comes to what the expectation level is. This guy has never had a team that's finished worse than sixth in the polls, never lost more than two games in a season, is 49-6. and six. I get Burke's point, but at some point in time, reality's got to kick in. Hey, by the way, that guy down in Tuscaloosa, he got waxed at home by Texas, and he might lose two or three games. I, I get Adam's point. How many national championships does Nick Saban have? I don't dispute that. However, my point is, though, they're right there. Look, it's hard to win national championships in any sport. I mean, a, a year ago, until Bill Self won a second national title, they were ready to run him out of Lawrence. The guy's lost less home games than seasons he's coached at the, at the chalk. I mean, it's like, come on, at some point in time. Here's the question I ask. Okay, you fire Ryan Day. Who are you bringing in to replace him and go 49-6 and six in your first 55 games? How many of those games were they three touchdown or more favorite? Last time I checked, Urban Meyer got his ass kicked in Iowa City and in West Lafayette, Indiana. That has never happened to Ryan Day. Urban Meyer's got a national championship. Urban Meyer can't win with front-running teams. Ask the 2009 Gators. Nick Saban said, bye-bye. Oh, heart attack city. See ya. <laughs> Ber Berkey's 2015 Buckeyes. 2015, 2015 Buckeyes. <laughs> number one right team. All 62 AP poll votes. Didn't even make the college football playoff. Bring back Jim Trestle. Uh, <laughs> quickly, we do have breaking news, boys. I don't know if it's necessarily breaking, but we bring in the big guy. Some quarterback news out of New Orleans. Dustin, you're going to report it for us here? Well, yeah, it seems like a minor move that the Saints are signing quarterback Jake Luton off of the Panthers practice squad, but Adam Schefter pointed out via the Twitter machine, or the X machine, X going to give it to you, and he gave us, quote, a sign the Saints are preparing to be without Derek Carr versus the Buccaneers in week four. Okay. Don't know if that changes anything for you guys handicapping-wise, but you never know. It's the shoulder. It's a, I think it's a UCL joint for Carr and could be something that lingers. So Winston, obviously uh, good to go there, but sign a backup here. So we'll see what happens with Derek Carr. I'm just taking a look at the number right now. Uh, we've got a TBD on the quarterback on the board, and Adam, you've got New Orleans laying three with Tampa Bay in town off a short week. 
You know, I thought something that was kind of remarkable throughout the offseason for us here at VEASAN and, and really throughout you know the NFL media in general, I don't understand why so much time and attention was paid to where Derek Carr was going. Derek Carr is an average NFL quarterback. So I don't really think that this matters all that much for the Saints. I mean, maybe Jameis Winston is slightly worse, but I think Jameis Winston's ceiling could be a little bit higher at this point in time. The floor is lower, the ceiling is a little bit higher. So to me, I don't really think it matters at all. I just think Derek Carr is remarkably overrated. By the way, a quick question for you guys. Why do you think last year the Saints absolutely refused under any circumstances to put Jameis Winston in the game? Meaning, like well, he it was did always, play last year. No, a little bit, but it was like always Dalton, right? Like they always gave Dalton the opportunity. And you know what Andy Dalton is and what his ceiling is. To me, I, to Adam's point, I think he's right. I think Jameis Winston, to a certain extent, gives you a better chance than Derek Carr. There are certain things you like about Carr. But overall, I think Jameis Winston's mobility. By the way, one thing that Derek Carr does better than anybody in the National Football League, when he thinks the defense has gotten encroached too quickly, nobody throws the ball into the ground faster. <laughs> I, I kind of I, I wonder if maybe it's just a matter of personal preference for Pete Carmichael, who got to be the offensive coordinator for Drew Brees forever. Like, maybe he just wants the simple, safer choice and doesn't want to go with kind of the higher risk, higher reward type of guy in Winston. Maybe that was it last year with Dalton, because I agree. Other than that, I mean, there's not really an explanation. Yeah. Dalton didn't play well. There's no other <laughs> exactly. explanation for it. Well, we were talking about, the, you know, a coach and potential hubris at the quarterback position, Arthur Smith. Atlanta's a very good roster, Burke, and, and they're taking on Jacksonville and London this week. You know, Jacksonville's lane three, but Ritter is, I guess I called him an anchor earlier today, but that's, that's an issue for the team because even defensively they've improved there with the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what the other option is at this point in time really for the Falcons. I mean, you could go out there, I guess, on the trade market and maybe try to do something. I don't know. Maybe they decide, hey, we're interested in Kirk Cousins to kind of balance out this whole offensive attack. I don't know, but I mean, I guess you've, to me, you've got to play more to Ritter's mobility and a lot less to his throwing arm because, you know, I heard Dustin talking about it before I came on the air. Ritter, not only is he not a great passer, he clearly doesn't have the confidence of his head coach when it comes to throwing the football. So, I don't know, just run the option. Run run triple option. Run Ritter like he's a Wildcat quarterback. I don't know. Maybe that's what you can do, but I guess maybe they just feel committed to figuring out exactly what he is this season and then kind of deciding what to do from there. I, I love Berg's point. To me, it's like go direct snap to Bijan. Let him throw a halfback option. This guy is terrible. Uh, but, but Burke, to, what would you do if you're the Jets with uh, Zach Wilson? Send him to Siberia? <laughs> Shoot him to the moon? <laughs> I can't disagree. I mean, this guy is single-handedly killing this locker room. I don't think the Jets, if, I, I'm telling you, after Sunday against the Chiefs, guys, if he plays as poorly as he did against New England, I think he's going to be released on Tuesday. I really do. And one other thing that really, to me, what bothers me, and I don't know how much of that game you guys watched, fourth down and ten, games on the line, he throws a one-yard out. Yeah, the vibes were awesome <laughs> at MetLife on Sunday. <laughs> Rain. <laughs> it was completely just gr grimy and gray and Mac Jones and defense. It was, uh, it wasn't pretty. Um, what number, what do you make Green Bay hosting Detroit on Thursday? It's coming up quickly. Green Bay open one. We flip through zero. Uh, DraftKings is showing Detroit one, Adam. I mean, should we just assume at this point in time that Green Bay will never be healthy? Is that what we need to do with this team? And They're just banged kind of, up. Like, everybody who's questionable, we just assume that they don't play because that seems like it's kind of been the M.O. for the organization for a long period of time. 
I think it's perfectly reasonable and perfectly fair that Detroit is favored now in this game. And I kind of thought about that. You know, Green Bay was one, one and a half before the line flipped against um, against the Saints last week. Like, Detroit's a better team than that. So I think it's perfectly reasonable that Detroit is the favorite in that game and just absolutely deserves to be. And well, you had it closer to a pick'em, correct? Yeah, if the if the team's healthy right now, though, you're looking at six guys that are potential starters that are questionable: Bakhtiari and Jenkins on the offensive line. Um, the, who's uh, who's the running back? Help me out. Um, the very good one for them. I'm drawing a blank on him right now for the Packers. Are you talking about Jones? Jones, Jones. yeah, Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah Jones. you're talking about Jones? Yeah, and I mean, you look at him, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary. These are all guys that are questionable. Christian Watson. I mean, you're talking about six very good starters for the Green Bay Packers that are potentially out of this game that missed time on Sunday. I think it's very hard. Maybe in a one-game scenario, we, we see it in the NBA all the time, one game, but then the longevity of it when you lose these types of players has an impact. And what a great opportunity for Detroit here, guys, going in against a division opponent to be able to get a road win against a team right now that's decimated by injuries. What did you take away last night, not just from the Eagles who were dealing with the flu, but how about... Uh, quickly, we'll come back and discuss it because they've got a tough spot. The Bengals with the calf there of Burrow. What would you take away from them last night, Adam? Well, at least they look better. But, I mean, you know, again, this is going to be an ongoing concern for Burrow. And, you know, it seems like it's something that's just kind of about managing now as opposed to actually getting better. So on a week-by-week -week basis, we don't really know what he's going to be like. But it is tough because it puts a lot of pressure on that offensive line since Burrow's not going to be able to evade a whole lot of pressure this season. And well put, because as a better, it's your job to project. Right now, Cincinnati coming off a win, short week, headed to Tennessee. Tennessee was disastrous in Cleveland, and since he's laying two and a half, we'll continue to dive into the week four board with Adam Burke here, Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. That was by far the darkest anecdote Amal Shaw has ever dropped. <laughs> Before we came back from break, that poor girl. Anyway, worlds are colliding, shows are colliding here at VSIN. <laughs> also, we have a lesson from the big guy, a Vegas lesson dealing with showgirls coming up. But first, make sure you check out the VSIN competition between shows. Here's the deal. If you use the promo code SHARP, you get 40% off the football season special. So you remember the guides that Adam Burke and the crew put together. And you want all the free picks every single day. You want the tools. You want the angles. You want trends. You want everything. It's 40% off right now. And you can help us get that Bill AD $1,000 by using the code SHARP. It's VSIN.com slash subscribe. Of course, Amal Shaw, Adam Burke on a Tuesday here on Sharp Money. I'm Patrick Maher, the big guy, Dustin Sweetelson. So when you're in Las Vegas, oftentimes you're going to be approached by um, some beautiful women, and they want to take pictures with you. Dustin, would you like to give your lesson in dealing with the Vegas showgirls taking pictures? Yeah, well, usually I see them walking down Fremont, Fremont Street, and i got to tell you, they're, they're pretty tremendous. They are uh, naturally skilled five stars, if I have to grade them personally. And, but the problem is I'm on my way to work. So I'm, I'm walking with a purpose, trying to get here on time, and they're stopping me. So I just look at them and I just say, I just want you to know I love you, but I have somewhere I have to be. I'm on my way to work, but I love you, and let them know, and I walk away. Hopefully they'll see me again, and they'll remember that for the future. And maybe there's just a, a tiny sliver of hope that they'll be like, you know what? I love you, too. Let's hang out sometime. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So pretend you're at work and flatter them. That is the key to dealing with a Vegas showgirl, correct? I'll let you know if it works in the end. So far, okay. that's the process we're working on. Loved, love to hear about it, big guy. Okay, let's continue kind of piecing together the board for week four with Adam Burke here, NFL-wise. I know we've got some other uh, college football picks we can get to as well. We were talking about this game just because it's interesting. The Rams have been, look, you could argue the Rams should have won that game in Cincinnati last night, Adam. And here comes Indy. Now the Rams are traveling to Indianapolis um, DraftKings is showing a point and a half. Indy is a quarter away from being 3-0. and Just one at Baltimore. What would you make this number? The Rams at the Colts. I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty good where it is. You know, I, I think that the Colts have been, you know, quite a bit better than I think a lot of people expected here so far this season. And, you know, defensively, I mean, they've really hung in there. And, and honestly, you know, a lot of people that I kind of talked about with over the summer about this, I, this roster really wasn't that bad. I mean, they weren't like top five pick caliber bad. Things just really snowballed on them with the whole Jeff Saturday gimmick and all that kind of thing. I mean, this was a pretty decent roster. They had a lot of talent, a lot of pieces to work with. So I'm not super surprised. But, man, I was watching that Indianapolis and Baltimore game. I don't know why, given how it was playing out. Just a lot of play between the 30s in overtime and in the yeah. last possession of regulation. It was just a bad football game. So, I don't know. I mean, are, are the Rams just you know going to be that much better of a team this season? I kind of lean that way, but I don't think this is a game that I'll be playing. I, I like Adam's breakdown, particularly Patrick. We talked about it before Adam joined us. In terms of the Colts, the two previous years to last year where they only went 4-12-1, and one, they were 9-8 and eight and 11-5. and five. And Adam, you're right. I think a lot of people are overlooking what this team is. And I just want to get your thoughts real quick. I said Jacksonville is living off of a half of football and just like they're, it's kind of like high tide. That's why the ship rose for them. Where do you come out on the Jags? Yeah, I don't know what to think about the Jags because, I mean, I think all of us kind of went into this season, especially after how they played in the second half of last year, and went, man, this thing's going to take off with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and all these weapons they have at wide receiver. And it has just been the complete opposite. And that game against Kansas City, that 17-9 game, that was not as close as the final score suggests. Kansas City dominated that game from a box score standpoint. So now we're talking about Jacksonville looking really bad you know, as you mentioned, for, for basically the last, what, 10 quarters that they've played, more or less. But, hey, at least they have a home game now this week. <laughs> Speaking of bad, Tennessee, I thought they were in a great spot. They went to Cleveland, and Cleveland's defense, to be fair, is ridiculous. So they embarrassed the Titans. Now, Cleveland, a huge divisional game. Baltimore, you just mentioned Baltimore. They scored on their opening drive at them and then just fell apart the rest of the way against Indy. So, curious, Deshaun look better, of course, against the Titans, and Cleveland's laying two and a half right now. Do you like that number with Baltimore in town? You know, <laughs> as, as I mentioned earlier, being such a deeply scarred Cleveland fan, I have a hard time kind of expecting success week in and week out. So, I don't know, but they definitely look better. The defense looks incredible. I mean, you yeah. know, their run defense looks really good, which is a very important factor when you take on Baltimore because – even with Zay Flowers in the mix, I still haven't seen Lamar Jackson really evolve that much as a passer through the games that we've seen here so far this season. The question is, you know, Deshaun Watson looked great against Tennessee. I think Tennessee is awful. I thought that coming into the season, they certainly proved it in that last game. They're very, very questionable in the secondary. They got a little bit of pressure, and Cleveland's offensive line is still a work in progress. Can Baltimore, you know, get back there and harass Watson? Can they make him very uncomfortable, make him get rid of the ball sooner than he wants to, make him throw the ball back? 
backwards like he did in that one play against Tennessee. Those are all big questions I have of the Ravens. But honestly, at this point in time, with Kevin Stefanski completely revamping the offensive playbook to try to cater to Watson and his skill set, with what Jim Schwartz has done with the defense, I think anything under three is worth a play on Cleveland. I really, truly believe that. Adam, how much of a loss is Nick Chubb to this team in terms of what Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt bring them? Kind of quantify that. I think it's a really big loss. I think last week was a bad data point because Tennessee just, to me, is just not an impressive football team. And Cleveland kind of rallying. I think what you'll see going forward, I mean, Kareem Hunt is, is not an explosive player at all. The balance that Chubb allows this offense to have by being able to put them in you know third and favorable situations, stuff like that is really important. Because I still don't think that Watson's going to be good on third and long because Kevin Stefanski likes to have his quarterbacks throw to a spot. Maybe he completely took that away with reinventing the playbook, but that's not Watson's game in third and long. And we saw Cleveland have a lot of issues with third and long in both of their first two games. So that's where I think the loss of Chubb really helps. He keeps you on schedule, keeps you ahead of the chains. They don't have that now, and I don't know that Ford is going to be the guy after contact to make those plays. So I think long-term it is a big issue. It just wasn't last week because that was a really good matchup for Cleveland. So, fellas, we started by discussing Ryan Day and his emotional, his emotionally a maniacal response after the win at Notre Dame, and he went after Lou Holtz, who's 86. We have a response from Lou Holtz. I want the two Buckeyes to respond. Here's Lou Holtz responding to Ryan Day. Quote, I can understand why he did. He doesn't want to talk about Michigan, 0-2. He doesn't want to talk about the big game coming up against Penn State and against Michigan again. He's a great coach. He's done a tremendous job. He's a great offensive mind. He hired an outstanding defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. I think he's doing a tremendous job. O Ohio State's a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. He can go after me all he wants. Amal Shaw, that is Lou Holtz responding to Ryan Day. Yeah, I don't think Lou Holtz is wrong in any of his statements there. I think he's accurate in what he said, and I thought Adam said it best. There are no elite teams in college football this year. I think that's why it's such a great opportunity, whether you're Texas, USC, Washington, to kind of get back. All these teams have an opportunity to get back in the national mix. Michigan, maybe you can ha add more than half a national title to your collection in the last 70 years. I don't know. Probably not likely, but, you know, it's something that they should consider. Uh, I'm a big Anything? I'm a huge fan of that shot that Amal just took at Michigan. That's phenomenal. Uh, look, I want to know who wrote that for Lou Holtz because I'm pretty sure that he didn't he didn't come up with that on his own. But look, I mean, did, you know, distracting from what he's done against Michigan the last two years for Ryan Day makes a whole lot of sense. I'll just say this: if if Ohio State's not a great team, what does that make Notre Dame? Fair. Do you agree with? I'm taking a look at the Heisman market right now. Of course, Amal said, Caleb Williams, the best player in college football, no surprise, but Dustin's boy, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington's plus 360, slightly favored over Caleb Williams in the market at 4-1 to one for the Heisman. Are you good with that? I, for now. I mean, let, let's kind of see what Washington does here going forward when they start really playing some good teams because I don't think Boise State is very good this year. Tulsa is clearly not. Michigan State is a mess. And then Cal is one of the weaker teams in the Pac-12. So Penix is putting up huge numbers. I love Kalen DeBoer. I think he's a phenomenal head coach. And that's part of the reason why the Pac-12 has gotten so strong. The coaching has dramatically improved in that yeah. conference over the last few seasons. But for Penix, I mean, let's see him go out there and do it against a team that, you know, he has to play more than one half against. I think Adam brings up a great point with Kalen DeBoer there at Washington. We saw what he did at Fresno State with Jake Hayner uh, at Indiana with Michael Penix as well. 
But to me, guys, Kalen DeBoer, I'm sorry, excuse me, Caleb Williams, 15 touchdowns, no INTs. However, if you subtract Michael Penix off of Washington, I still think with that receiving core, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that play well there. I think if you take Caleb Williams off of USC, Lincoln Riley's going to be on the hot seat. That team is not as good as people think they are. You look at some of the opponents they've played so far. San Jose State, they made Arizona State, who looks like an absolute bottom feeder in the Pac-12, look competitive in a 42-28 game. Uh, they played Nevada. I mean, this is not necessarily murderer's row for SC as well yet. It's a good, that's a great point about the coaches in the Pac-12. Hadn't thought about that. They are loaded. Big guy, don't you have Penix Jr. in pocket? I don't have him. I have Washington to win the national title 40-1 to and 25-1, to and I'm really regretting not hammering Penix. I think he opened like 16-17-1 for the Heisman. Really regretting that because I think he's looked awesome. But they're right. The Pac-12 is going to be a gauntlet. Okay, don't go anywhere, Berkey. We've got more as far as week four in the NFL, and we've got the top ten, and we'll close some tabs. It's Sharp Money. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, new bettors, great opportunity over at DraftKings. Of course, new bettors can bet five bucks and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw $5 down on any of this week's epic NFL matchups, and you're good to go with an instant winner in 200 bucks. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, there's no doubt about that. So download the DraftKings app right now and use the code SHARP. New customers, 5 bucks, 200 instantly, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. Adam Burke on a Tuesday, Sharp Money. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. So we were having a discussion about politics. Let's continue on the air. No, I'm playing. Uh, we were talking about Colorado. <laughs> I dare you. We were talking about Colorado and Oregon, and there's been much made. It, it's starting to get weird with some of the videos being put out and the trash talk that Colorado was purportedly doing prior to the game and all of that. And, of course, Dan Lanning got involved. Even Dustin Sweetelson on Twitter, we coming, he got involved. 
Uh, but let's go ahead and set this. It's not a bad tweet. I just laughed when I saw it, big guy. Let's go ahead and set this up because Lanning, who's doing a hell of a job at Oregon, I think he's just 37 years old, he had a pregame speech that fired some peeps up. Yeah, and Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass. Right? It's gonna be played on the grass. So did either of you or any of you had an issue have an issue with what Lanning said? Because I thought it was I thought it was well done. I, I personally did. I just thought it, the way he was attacking, I, th I thought it was more of like not going at Colorado, more going at Dion. I'm like, dude, you played at William Jewell College Division II. This is one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. I get it if you don't like some of Dion's style and what he br brings to the table. But, hey, the one thing you can't knock, people are watching. Colorado's been involved in two of the highest five rated games oh, yeah. in college football this year. I, I just, it was, to me, the way it came across, it seemed like it was very personal from Dan Lanning's point of view. That, that's all. That's my Fair only enough. knock on that one. Fair enough. Boys, anything? I mean, uh, to me, and I, I mentioned this on the College Football Podcast, like, nothing is sacred anymore. That should be between a coach and his team. Yeah. Th there's no reason for a camera to be in there or some ESPN broadcast crew or something like that. That should be between a coach and his team. Now, if something comes to light where he's saying something racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever the case may be, then that, you know, becomes a story for obvious reasons. But this is just a guy firing up his team in a way that he feels like he needs to fire them up and I don't think that any of us need to be privy to that. That's something that should stay in the room. What's said in the room stays in the room, and that's how that should be. So, I mean, first of all, I, I didn't have a problem with it. But second of all, I, it shouldn't have been broadcast out there to the world. But by the way, Big guy, you know, you know, social was that set up to be recorded? Like that was something that they were trying to do for clicks, correct? Well, I don't know. I've seen plenty of halftime speeches that make its way under the air, but nobody cares because not as many eyeballs are on it because Dion's not usually coaching on the other sideline. I just think it's one of those things where two things can be true. One, Dion is getting a lot of attention and doing a lot of really fun things for college football. And he's kind of revolutionizing the way we're looking at these, these programs and how you can turn eyeballs onto them. And I think the, on the other side, it can be true that Dan Lanning can look across and say, hold on, my team is better. My team has a chance to win the Pac-12. My team's been there, done that before. I would just like a little bit more talk happening about my team, and he's allowed to be annoyed about that. A couple things real quick. First of all, how about Dan Lanning? He interviewed for the Kansas job, and they go, no, we're going to go with Lance Leopold, who's a tremendous coach, and he winds up with the Oregon job when my Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. But the other thing I would say is, let's be realistic here about Oregon. They're a very good football team. Their defense has improved drastically. But, guys, I don't have them in the top four in the Pac-12, or at least the top three. I don't know where you guys come out, but to me, Washington, Utah, and USC are better. And I'm going to throw right now, tell you right now, if they play this week, I'm taking Washington State over Oregon. I mean, like, we'll, we'll see. It'll play out. Yeah. I'm not saying they are or they aren't. I'm just, from Dan Lanning's perspective, he's got to do something like that because he's, he's annoyed that someone else is getting all the attention. I think Oregon's a really good team, and we're going to see it throughout the year. And Oregon's kind of emblematic of what's going to be wrong with the Pac-12, right? That it's so deep, it's going to mess up their chances at the top of someone getting through to the playoff because who beats who and whose record is better than who, it's going to be convoluted in the end. Real quick, though, Dan Lanning, though, during his coach's show yesterday, he was 
asked about Skip Bayless's criticism of his locker room speech, here's what he had to say. And you saw a 15 second clip uh, from a window view outside the house of what happens in the locker room, right? I, I know our locker room. I'm in the house 100% of the time. I know how our players felt um, going into that game. And I know what it takes to motivate our players. That's my job to motivate our players, right? He has a job. I have a job too um, to get out there and to perform on the field. But inside that house, they felt a certain way. They felt a certain way about a group stomping on the O. They felt a certain way uh, about guys talking to them in the pregame. And I'm proud of those guys because what they decided to do is talk with their pads. All right. I mean, it's good for college football. The more we talk about it, the more you realize it's just bringing attention. Bayless ain't talking college football unless Dion's involved. And like I said, Dion could be selling mortgages in Michigan, and he'd be the best mortgage seller in Michigan. Like, that's just that's his nature to be great at what he does. Um, okay. Before we get out of here, I think we're starting. Are we starting a new top ten, or we got to no. finish off the dogs? We're, we're recapping what has been a real, probably the worst top ten we've done so far, and that would be my top ten dogs list. Why do you say the worst? Uh, no buzz, no juice, no, uh, okay. no Coach Prime effect on this list. Nobody cares. <laughs> I, I disagree. There was a list that was worse. This is not bad. Everybody loves dogs. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> We will uh, we'll recap where, how we got here. Number 10 was Golden Retriever, Retriever, the Honda Civic of, of dogs. It's a Me Too dog. Everyone's got a Golden Retriever. Nine was the Bull Mastiff. They can get a little slobbery, but I think they're great because you can wrestle with them. Number eight was Corgis, which have, like, mystical powers. Uh, look it up, folks. Number seven, the Bernese Mountain Dog, a really beautiful dog with a multicolored coat. Number six was the French Bulldog, which I, I really would like to own one, but they're, they're really expensive. Five was the Basset Hound with those large droopy ears that you could, like, jump rope with. Four was the Rottweiler, which I think is a great dog, especially because it's protective. Three was the Leon Burger. Most people don't know this dog. Look it up. When you walk it on a leash, it looks like you're walking a bear, which brings us now to number two. And number two is uh, the dogs that I owned growing up. I owned three of them, Zeppelin, Hudson, and Kojak. They were Shut all the German Zeppelin. shepherds. Yeah, yeah. So you know how your porn star name is like your first pet name in your road? I lived on Ridge Road, and my first dog, first pet's name was Zeppelin, so my porn star name is Zeppelin Ridge. That's a legit name. It's a legit That's name. That's not bad. So That's not bad. <laughs> number two was German. First of all, they're, they're smarter than humans. German Shepherds are smarter than humans, and I stand by that. What if you lived on, like, East 122nd? That would be your name. <laughs> Zeppelin, Zeppelin East 122nd? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then number one, my favorite dog, and it's the mascot of many college programs. They are just, the, they have no neck. I feel like I kind of look like one a little bit, and that would be the English Bulldog. I, English Bulldogs, to me, are the greatest dogs ever. The only issue is, they're kind of like me. They could die at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> what do you attribute that to? Is that something you know, or they is that have, you're no, making that up? They have breathing issues. They have heart issues. They have sweating issues. They have all sorts of issues. English Bulldogs, you just, it's, it's Russian roulette with how long your English Bulldog's going to make it, but I freaking love them. They all have huge personalities. They have a bit of an attitude. They're kind of stupid. They make funny noises. I'm a big fan of English Bulldogs. I was going to say, you sound like you're describing yourself. <laughs> Tremendous. Good buzz on the top ten. It's the best you've looked in a graphic, if yeah, we're being honest. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's the Ozempic body. I got to go, man. I got to get a check. I'm just, hey, man, hey, doc, just, just inject me with whatever makes me skinny. I'll take it at this point. Right now, vsin.com is blowing up. And Adam Burke, you've had a huge hand in that, managing editor. 
what's happening over at vsin.com that people can go check out right now. Well, I can tell you this. Our NHL betting guide comes out on Thursday. So new VEASAN hockey analyst, Johnny Lazarus, did a lot of hard work on that. Wrote up 32 team previews. Has a couple of features in there as well. I also did a glossary of some of the stats and some of the advanced metrics that I think are relevant when it comes to the NHL. So our NHL guide comes out on Thursday. He'll be on Follow the Money, so make sure you check that out. Our NBA betting guide comes out a week from Thursday, so nine days away from that. Jonathan Von Tobel, who's had great success with the John Von model so yes. far in the NFL. He's doing a model for the NBA this season for the first time as well. So that'll be one of the features in that guide to go along with team previews for every team, futures, props, betting strategies. Kelly Bidlin's got a couple of bylines in there as well. So we got a couple of big-time guides coming out over the next week and a half. I'm doing VSIN Daily Baseball bets seven days a week throughout the playoffs. So we're busy, man. We got a lot going on over there, and uh, use that promo code SHARP and get 40% off that football special. <laughs> Thank you, Berkey. <laughs> well Thank done. Thank you. He wants Appreciate a cut of the that. future. That's what it is. 100%. <laughs> He's no in. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he is in. Malshaw, great job. Thank you very much. Dustin, great job. Tim Jenkins, Chris Farley, Adam Burke. And all kidding aside, go to vsin.com right now. you got the podcast up there as well. 40% off the sports subscription, the annual subscription during football season. Use the code SHARP. We'll see you next time right here, Sharp Money. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.